0: So this morning's message is very unusual. And I kind of prefaced that last week and kind of gave you the heads up that this week was going to be a little bit different. And, and for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about we had lived life on an incline. And we talked about the different things. And, and one of the things we talked about is our life is not just going to stay the same. That if you just stop doing anything, you're not just going to stay where you're at and not progress but you're either going forward up the hill or you're going to slide backwards. And we see that in all areas of our lives. And that's what we talked about a lot in the last two weeks. And, and this week, we're kind of giving a little bit of break because I really felt as I was listening to some other podcasts, because I don't think that I should just be giving you just me. So I listen to all kinds of podcasts and get a lot of different um, input from other pastors and what they're preaching now and you know their perspectives. So it kind of helps me to stay balanced and to be grounded. And, and I, I think that's a great thing for me personally, and it's also given me something to give you as well. And, and I heard a pastor talking about this book of Hosea, and it's specifically about his wife, and that's who our message is going to be out this morning. And I, 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 it just made me start thinking about the women in the Bible. Now, very often, women are very, very influential in our lives, and they make such an impact on our lives. And, and so i was like, well, maybe I should do like an entire month on women and their roles in the Bible. And there's a whole bunch of them we could do that with. There's, there's, the, the list is pretty big. And so I thought, well, when's the month that is National Women's Month? And, of course, it's March. So we're halfway through March. I'm like, well, I'm going to jump in here. So this morning's message, we're kind of breaking up, but you'll still see it still ties into what we've been on the theme for this whole month. But we're talking about a most unusual story. In fact, if, if you're like me, you may find it difficult to believe this is even in the Bible. And I doubt that you've even probably heard any message at any time about the book of Hosea. It's very, very rare that anyone ever talks about this. Because it kind of blows your mind. And just in the first verse, first 2. My, my mind is blown just straight out. But I want to give you a little bit of a history. That this was actually written in the, the, the time period of 760 B.C. to 725 B.C. So the 7th century before Christ came. So this was almost 3,000 years ago and Hosea is the writer, and he's considered one of the minor prophets. Now, he's a young pastor, and he, he's been to Bible college, and we see in other places in the Scripture that there's a school of the prophets, so they're, you know, teaching them how to be a prophet, and the older ones are teaching the younger ones, and there comes a point that they release them out to go and do this, and typically in the Hebrew um, culture, you're actually released into ministry when you're 30 years old, and I, that's a whole other big topic and teaching on that, but just trust me on that. So it's, he's probably around 30 years old, and that's when you're going to be really released into your ministry. So he's a brand new pastor. he just out of, likely just out of um, the school of the prophets, and he comes out here, and, and he, he's going to jump out there, and he's ready to be the voice of God to talk to the children of Israel. It's been said by plenty of people uh, that Hosea was God's man for a difficult error spiritually. Prosperity had brought an unprecedented degree of coral, cultural, excuse me, corruption. Now think about that. Prosperity had brought an unprecedented degree of cultural corruption. So they were being so prosperous in everything that they were doing, and all their industry and everything, which is kind of crazy for us to think today. But in their time frame, they've been so prosperous that it changed to a degree of cultural corruption. The much sought after political power had opened Israel up to foreign cultural influence, including demoralizing influences. And it goes on to list some that are so crazy that I'm not even going to say them in church. Many Bible scholars actually put a parallel between the culture that was during the time of Hosea to the culture that we have today. And wouldn't you say that we have so much prosperity in our lives? And our culturally, we have decayed as a result. Not because we've prospered that we're decaying, but we've kind of turned our back on God as a country to even say, well, I don't really need God. Look how great things are going. I got it all going on. I, I'm all by myself. I don't need God. So we see there's a very similar comparison culturally to what it was like, even though it was 3,000 years ago, for Hosea to do us. But here Hosea comes, he gets out of Bible college, he jumps out there, and this morning I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures from the book of Hosea, but I'm pretty much just going to try and tell you the story and just give you a couple of points along with it, but to try and tell you what's going on. His first message that God gives him. I mean, can't you see him? He's probably got his new briefcase. And, you know, he's like got everything. He's got a suit all done right. And he's like ready to go out there, graduated. He's got his degree from the school of the prophets. And he's ready. He's like, you know, here I go, God. What, what am I going to do? And, and this is the first word that God gives him in verse 2 of chapter 1, Hosea. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said, go and marry a prostitute. What? Are you kidding me? No, no, wait, wait, wait. wait No, no, no. The, I must have some earwax going on here. God, you told me to do what? And what we see here is that even as this young man, and he's, he's looking for a wife, he's looking for somebody to be a partner in ministry, and certainly that's important. I mean, I can't imagine going through life without Lenore. I can't imagine going through ministry without Lenore, right there by my side, and, and just being there with me, and, and through the journey and, and everything. But he, he's looking for that, and undoubtedly, you know, he looked through Bible college, because that's what you do when you're in Bible college. You're looking for, you know, who's my mate? Where is she going to be? Is it her? Is it going to be her? I mean, for me in Bible college, is like, Like every girl I've met was like, okay, God, is she the one? You know, and undoubtedly he went through that too because that's what young men do. And he didn't find her. And now he gets out there. And the first word that God says is, I want you to go marry a prostitute. Now, that blows my mind today. And I bet you've never seen this in the Bible. And I'm quite sure it blew Hosea's mind as well. God's saying, hey, I want you to go to the part of town that preachers don't go to. I want you to go to that street in your town where that corner is where those people hang out. And I want you to find a wife from there. Again, I'll say, mind is blown. Hosea obeys God. I give Hosea major props in obeying God. He went in verse three and he married Gomer. Now, people will always try when they're got, they know they're going to have a baby, they go look for biblical names. They're like, I'm going to name my, my son or my daughter after somebody in the Bible, but no one uses the biblical name of Gomer to name their daughter, all right? And, and I think I know why, when we see how it's kind of rolled down through the ages. But Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of I don't even know how you say her mom's name. Oh, How would you say that? Dib lame? I don't know. I don't know how. It's both crazy. And, and, and he goes and, and marries her. Now, according to the rabbis, Gomer was a harlot, a prostitute, and her name is indicative of her occupation. So when she was named, her name is even putting that stamp on her forehead that this is what she's going to do. Now, can you imagine that? Since everyone would, and the word is, quote, Gomer, their lust with her, or Sate, S A T E, their lust for her, which means to satisfy a desire or an appetite to the full on the lust side. That's what her name literally meant. But her mom, the dib lame or lamb, or however you say that, her name actually is derived from fig cake. And the connotation is that she's a sweet dessert that you would crave, like the molten from the chocolate molten from Chili's, that even me just saying that makes you think you want to go get one, right? So everybody after church can go to Chili's and eat your nice steak or whatever you want, and then you're going to order the molten, all right? But if you think about it, you start craving, you like, man, that was really good. Man, I want another one of those. And maybe you even want to order a second one, and then gets get to, like, I'm so full, I can't eat another one. But you have that craving, and that's the way she was. So apparently they both were very beautiful, and just amazing, and they had this desire and this allure with men. It also meant that people would tread on her, and just use her to be stepped on. Gomer's mother was in, was also engaged in the same progress, profession, excuse me, and both were commonly the subject of slander and gossip. So no matter how beautiful they were and how attractive they were, because of their occupation. They were the subject of slander and gossip. In fact, her mom's name means ill repute or slander. And this is where we get the phrase that you've probably heard more than once of your life, a woman of ill repute. It actually stems from Gomer's mom. Now, why am I belaboring all this? She was stuck on the street. She was stuck. She's even labeled by her mom who has the same profession that this is what you're going to do. This is what I'm going to do. And when you have kids, that's what they're going to do. And it was a generational curse that was passed down on purpose, even named her this name. That means she's going to have this profession. And that's who Hosea found and married. Like mother, like daughter. God is using this situation, but Hosea doesn't realize it till much later. But God is using this illustration as a in-person live allegory demonstration of what the whole nation of Israel was doing in a relationship with God. But sometimes when you hear a preacher stand up here and say, God wants you to not sin. He wants you to not do this. He wants you He's like, just goes right over. Yep, I went to church. I was in the synagogue. I went there. Okay, now let me just go back and keep doing what I was doing. But when he does something like this, it's like rolled out in front of your eyes. Can you imagine? He's the new preacher in town and, and everybody's excited. You're going to get married. Yeah, we're sending out the invitations. Who, who, who are you marrying? Who's on? Gomer? Didn't we just see her over here? And wasn't she with, well, no one that would ever claim it. But, you know, preachers shouldn't even be over there. How'd you meet her? What, what were you doing over oh, I'm really confused. And I, I think the elders probably need to talk to you because, you know, you shouldn't be over there going to those places. But God taught me to. No, God didn't tell you to do that. Are you kidding me? You can't, I mean, just think about all the conflict that's going on here. And God uses this as an illustration to show how the children of Israel had turned their back on God. Now we see in chapter 2, verse 2, God actually is switching back and forth, popping back and forth in this allegory in how this was written. He's comparing the sins of Israel to the sins of a prostitute, That's Gomer. Verse two, but now bring charges against Israel, your mother, for she is no longer my wife and I'm no longer her husband. Tell her, Israel, to remove the prostitute's makeup from her face and the clothing clothing that exposes her. Now, as I was reading this and studying this, again, my mind is just continually blown by this whole story. But don't we all have those images in our mind I mean, we'll even say, she's got so much makeup on her face, she looks like a prostitute. She looks like, and we put, fill in the blanks, some other names that we're also not going to say in church. And we have this image, but all she's doing is putting makeup on her face. She may not be doing that occupation, but we have that image in our mind, that stereotype of who she is. Or the clothing that she's wearing, and that she's this, or she's that. or And we, we put all these stereotypes in our mind. And God's like, hey, even as you're doing all of this, that everyone will recognize, you don't even see it yourself. Verse 5, he says, their mother is a shameless prostitute, and she's become pregnant in a shameful way. God is also using in this story, when Hosea married Gomer... They had a child together, and then they had another child, and he gave them names. And I encourage you to go read the story. I mean, it's only six chapters long. It won't take you very long, but it may take you an hour to read it because your mind may be, keep getting blown and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is in the Bible. I can't believe that, oh, oh, you know, it just continues to blow my mind as I read through this. Then he says that there's other children that she had that weren't from him. So she had other children Other offspring from a shameful way, from her being a prostitute. And then he says in verse 5, She said, I'll run after other lovers. And I'll sell myself to them for food and water, or for clothing, or for olive oil and drinks. Man, as I read that, I just saw such a comparison that even 3,000 years later... That we see people that will sell themselves, sell their bodies to make, to have food and drink and to to have sustenance and to be able to to live through what they need. And maybe it's not food and water today. Maybe it's to be able to buy groceries from Tom Thumb or then for their clothing, do they have nice clothing or for olive oil, which is like representative of heating your home and being able to cook with or just to get drinks. I mean, it's just like crazy the things that are in the Bible goes on, verse 7, it says, when she runs after her lovers, she won't be able to catch them. So it's like that fan's in thin air. It's like, well, I think that I'll be able to pay my rent if I just do this and that. And you're just like reaching, you're grasping for it, and it's not there. And it's like you're just running after it, but you can't find It goes on, she will search for them, but not find them. Then she will think, I might as well return to my husband, for I was better off with him than I am now. I hear God speaking. He says, but she doesn't realize it was I. She doesn't realize it was I, God, who gave her everything. So even if she's selling her body and thinking that it's coming from this guy or that guy or her favorite guy or this situation or this example of what she did, it goes really, everything you have came from me. Her everything. The grain, the wine, the olive oil. I even gave her the gold and the silver that she ended up giving to an idol. So God is putting this parody back and forth. So the story goes they get married, they have a couple of kids. Now, undoubtedly, Hosea came to her and says, Okay, now you got to kind of change some things up. If you're going to come to church, you know, you got to kind of, he can't wear that. We got to go shopping at Ross or we got to go to, you know, the store over here and, you know, you got to kind of, you know, button a couple buttons up and you got to, you to change the way you're looking and, you know, we got to start acting this way and, you know, she's probably sitting on the front row of church and she's looking all respectable and she's got all these things going on on the outward side. But she ends up, Going back. And then the, the story goes that he's sending at home, and now they've got several kids, and they're like, Dad, where's mom? We haven't seen mom in a couple of days. Dad, where's mom at? She's not answering her cell phone. She's not texting. And she stopped putting on Snapchat. We don't know where mom is. Dad, where's mom? I miss mom. Where's mom? He's like, I don't know. And the, the image that we have is that he gets in his car and he drives down there. And he's like, I don't even want to go near that street because surely she's not there again. I mean, I, I took her from that. I married her. We have kids and I bought her new clothes. And I, she's got this life. She's got this house. She's got all these things. And surely she, oh, she's on the corner again. Oh. The image that we have in our mind is him looking out his window and seeing her Perhaps even meet up with a guy and walk around the corner into darkness and just weeping, going, God, you told me to marry her. What's going on, God? Why? Why am I experiencing this? Why is this going on? She comes back home. She comes back home pregnant, comes home with the child from another person. And he and keeps on giving her second chances and more chances and, and more chances. And, and it keeps going back and forth. And, and it, the struggle's going on and on and on. And she's just pulled back and forth. So where she looks like she's got it all together, she keeps going back to that thing. But isn't that us? But then it gets worse. She ends up in a really bad situation. A situation that's so terrible that now she's been caught up in human trafficking. And when he can't find her, she's not on the corner anymore. He's like, it's unthinkable. There's no way. She's over there. And and there's just no way. But I've got to look and just see. Like I'm calling all the hospitals. I'm calling all the police stations. I'm calling. Where in the world is my wife? And he goes to the auction house where the human traffickers go. And he sees the parade of naked women as they pull him up there on the stage and they bid over them and he sees his wife. He sees his wife, the the mother of his children, the one he's invested so much in and, and God told him to marry, he sees her naked up on the stage being sold at an auction. Chapter three, verse one. Then the Lord said to me, go And love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love and worshiped them. God's now showing Hosea what the whole purpose of this and why he's gone through this. Can you imagine the turmoil? Because she's not in church today. When I saw her on the corner last night, she's not sitting on the front row we got to talk to you, preacher, because your wife, what's going on with your wife? I mean, can't you even control your wife? Can't you? You don't have your house in order. What's going on? I mean, that inner struggle that's going on inside of him. Verse 2. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. In the scripture, so specific on things, but it's an auction. She's up there naked being bid on and and, and the thought is that she's no longer, she's kind of older now. She's had some kids and she's not as marketable on the street that now she's being sold to be taken to whoever's house another country or whatever like they do human trafficking today and they're bidding on her and this one's going okay i'll, I'll give five pieces of silver and then this will go i'll give six pieces of silver and, and i'll give a bushel of barley well i'll give i'll give seven things of silver and and two bushels of. and they keep going back and forth and, and she's standing up there can you imagine her up there like i didn't think my life was going to be this She's going away forever. She'll never see her husband. She'll never see her kids again. She'll never have her life back again. And then she hears a a familiar voice. She hears her husband, Hosea, says, I'll give 12 pieces of silver and and, and three bushels. Someone else, I give 14 pieces, and and I'll put some wine in there. And and he goes, okay, I'll give this. And, And then it finally ends up. He wins the bid by bidding 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley in a measure of wine. He wins her back. He wins the auction. And then he goes on. To talk to her about changing her life. Now, This is the most unusual story. Not what you expected to hear at church. When you came in this morning. But God uses natural. Examples. To demonstrate not only how Israel was to him. But we're no different. I'm no different. See, God chose the man of God to go out of his way to this place where everyone would say, that's a sinful place. You shouldn't be there. You certainly shouldn't be choosing a wife from there. God says, no, that's where I want you to find a wife. That's exactly where I want you to be. And this is my goal for you. This is my plan for you. And it's my plan for her. She's got this stamp on her head that says, you will always be a prostitute. Your mother's a prostitute. You're going to be a prostitute. Your life is just going to be this. God says, no. I'm breaking the generational curses by letting my presence come into your life. But very likely, everyone thought she had it together. Maybe she even thought she had herself together. You know, she's got different clothes on. From the outside, it looks like she's got it together. She married the the young preacher, and they got a couple of kids together. And, you know, it looks like everything is going on the right way. She's living the fairy tale. She's Julia Roberts in the movie. But something was still broken inside of her. So even though she was doing all the things on the outside, there's still some things broken on the inside. See, where she had started to know God by coming to church where she would started to know God by stepping foot into what she thought in and kind of changed some things like she thought she should. She never stepped into the second part of that and found freedom. See, the stereotypical things, the same way we would look at somebody and say, well, you're this, or you're this, you're dressed like that. The same way we'll look at people, people look at us. And we'll end up trading what God gave us for things that are not of God. Verse 5 says she sold herself for the necessities of life. She went back to who she used to be. See, on the surface, her lifestyle seemed to have changed. But in reality, they were just her outward expressions. She probably even changed who she was hanging out with. She had new friends, and she had different things. She, she was going to church all the time, but see, a true change hadn't happened inside of her. When she came back this time, the end of the story, she really realized that that low place, that place that she ended up naked on the auction block and her husband being the one who sold everything, paid for her. But now the most amazing thing of the story to me is the money that he paid for her was her own money. They were married. The 15 pieces of silver, all the different things you saw it on the screen, all of that wasn't just His money. He didn't have the secret stash over here going on. They were married. What was his was hers and what was hers was his. She had access to that same thing, but she had walked away from those things. He used what was already hers, what was given to them both by God, and bought her back. Her life was changed forever. She then really found God. She then really found freedom from her past, and she stepped into and realized what God had for her. you bow your heads and close your eyes? This isn't just a crazy story from the Bible. This isn't just a crazy, I can't believe this is even in the Bible. This is me. can I kind of suggest to you, this is you. All the specifics may not be the same. But I find myself not walking where God wants me to. I find myself still in need of a Savior. I still find myself thinking that if I need to go out and make more money, that that's me that's making that money, that it's not I'm trusting in God, that everything came from Him. This story is true of us. And I don't know where you're at, if you're here in person with us or you're watching the stream, you're listening to the podcast, you're watching the video after the fact. It's amazing to me all the places and all the different parts of the world that are being influenced by this little church in Plano. Have you changed all your outward expressions? Maybe you've changed who you hang out with. Maybe everything looks good on the outside. But on the inside, that's a different story. Maybe you're just walking through the motions. God's desire for you is to get to know him. But not just know him. Not just make a a one-time commitment. Don't just come and sit in a chair at church. But to really get developing a personal relationship with him. And then to find freedom. And then to find out why he created you. To find out that purpose that he put from the beginning of the world. He put inside of you. And not just for you to know and not for you just to walk around saying, well, this is why I was created, but then to take all of that to make a difference. See, Gomer started off with a really terrible past. She started off with a, this is how her life is gonna be, even indicated by her name that her parents gave her. But God was able to step in. God's still able to step in and change all of us the first step of that transformation is to recognize that you need God. And I talk to people all the time and I was talking to somebody last night goes, I don't even believe in God. And I said, that's fine. You don't have to believe in God. It says that the disciples hung out with Jesus for two years and then one time it says, and then they believed. <laughs> the disciples are with him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It took them two years to believe. I don't care if you believe or not trust him? What if it's true that the creator of the earth loves you? See, I love this story because this is probably one of the more extreme cases that someone could be in that we could look in judgment and say, there's no hope for you. Your own mother said this is how you're going to end up. But God came in and changed. Let God come in this morning and change your life. If that's you this morning, all it requires is you just say a simple prayer. You can say any prayer you want to. You just talk to God, but I'm going to help you with a prayer. But you use your own words. and I'm not going to call anybody to the front. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. This is all about you developing a personal relationship with Jesus. All the other stuff will fall into place, but that first step is needed. If that's you, pray this with me. Say, God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sins so I don't have to. I ask you to come into my life and show me what's next. I ask you to help me to not live my life just how I think it needs to be, but to consider you. I'm asking you to come in and show me. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today, I decide to follow you. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer. Father, I pray that you will just step in there. Lord, you're you're extending your hand out from heaven, and as soon as they do that, you just grab them and you just pull them right up. Lord, you pull them right into your plan for them. God, I pray that you help them to know what their next step is. Lord, that we're there to help them with their next steps as well. But God, you have such an amazing plan for even a Gomer, and for Kevin, for Eleanor, for all of us. And God, I pray for every one of us, Lord, that regardless of where we're at in the path with you, things may look right in our life. We may have everyone fooled. But Lord, help us all individually to still pursue getting to know you, that we find freedom, where we take those steps to find freedom, that we discover our purpose. Ultimately, we step into our destiny and make a difference. I give all this to you. In Jesus' name, amen.